Hey, Darren D. Lake here. You've spoken and we are listening. We've gotten a bunch of requests from people asking, is this available to watch as a video? And can I read this? We believe in the holistic learning experience of watching, reading, and listening to things to fully grasp the whole concept. And we're proud to say that this episode and all future episodes are available as standalone YouTube videos and written blogs. Obviously, we want you to keep listening to this podcast, but if you want it in another format, just go to the show notes in your podcast player for the link to watch and read it, or just Google or YouTube search the title and you should find it. Last, we will be slowly updating our back catalog of older episodes to have video and written versions for you. So stay tuned. Let's get into the show. Put paste and delay creates the 5K running race. It's a race most people in the running world are very familiar with. You've either started your run race career doing a 5K and graduated to a half marathon and up. Or if you're like me, you're focusing on running your fastest 5K. But how do you get faster at the 5K? If you want to find out how to run a faster 5K, then you should listen to this episode of Trees and D-Lake. Don't master a lot. Don't master a little. Just stay in the middle. Don't master all. Don't master none. Just be a master of some. What is up? Welcome to Trees and D-Lake, a podcast series by Mike Trees and yours truly, Darren D-Lake Creates. In this series, our goal is to educate and entertain smart and committed runners like yourself. A bit more on that from Mike Trees. Hi, I'm Mike Trees and I'm a professional triathlon and running coach. Been doing it all my life. And the aim of this podcast is to give, in a lighthearted, amusing and entertaining way, hints and tips to help you all run better and enjoy your sporting life more. So let's see how we can go with that. Mike's being pretty modest. He has over 50 years of running and doing triathlons under his belt with another 30 years of coaching committed and serious athletes like yourself. And if you're wondering about me, I've been in the endurance sport game for about 25 years now, done a sub three hour marathon and completed an Ironman triathlon in 10 hours. So I'd say I know a few things about what we're talking about. Another goal is to perform better as you age. No one is getting younger, so why not slow down the slowing down, as Mike Tree says. Listen to us and we'll help you do just that. And a bonus cherry on top is if you can master some of your running and fitness goals, then you could definitely master some of your work, family, and life because it's all the same. We appreciate all the help and support that we can get. So if you can, please share out this episode to someone that you know that would like this. Also, please rate and review on whatever podcast you use to help the robot overlords get us into the ears of more endurance athletes like yourself. Oh, quick language warning. In some rare instances, we might use some bad words. So apologies in advance for that. In this episode, Mike gives us all the tips and tricks on running a fast 5K race. From strength and conditioning training, to dieting, to how many and what types of runs you should do each week, to time trialing, to cross training, and even touching on the all-important sleep, rest, and recovery. All right, that's enough blabbering from me. Let's get into the show. Hey, Mike, how's things going in, in your side of the world? I mean, we're kind of on the same side of the world here where you're in Tokyo and I'm, I'm in Australia, Sydney, Australia. I know you, you've had some hiccups with your training. T- tell me about what's going on. Yeah, I'm in a bit of a bubble here. Uh, it's good. Uh, it's old age. So, uh, one of my eyes basically packed up on me. So they took it out, put a new one in. Uh, it was, uh, I had a cataract years ago they, that, that failed. So it's second operation. Uh, the short uh, and curly of it all really is that uh, I can't go out for six weeks, just got to wait for the, the eye to heal. 
and can't do much sport. So I'm sitting here at home, uh, not allowed to train or do any sport at all, which means that I sneak on the indoor trainer every now and then, put the fans on, make sure I don't sweat <laughs> and get off before the wife comes home. <laughs> That's an habit. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, me, I'm, I'm actually, this week has been absolutely crazy. I got a mild cold, like from my son, like I call him baby colds. And then it turned in three days, the cold went away and somehow it turned into a full blown sinus infection that actually gave me like full body aches and fatigue. And I've never had this from a cold. And I, I think I've only had the flu maybe once. Um, so I got a COVID test. I was negative, but I was like, what's going on? Like I had colorful stuff coming out of my nose. Um, not to gross the listeners out. I just remember being, I was tired. I tried to do an easy run and I was tired. So I just like kind of took the week off. It was one day easy, one day off and tried to get back into it. So we'll see how we go in this, this coming week. It totally messed up my, my 5k training plan because I was supposed to be starting this week, like week one of my six weeks of the competition race focus phase, but you got to roll, roll with how it is. Um, from, you know, my whole focus was on the 5k. The trouble with COVID is that we're all in this hygienic little bubble now. We clean our hands, we disinfect ourselves, we get rid of all bacteria, wipe all the surfaces. So our immune system's basically gone to shit. So any little cold you get, you've got no way of fighting it because our body actually likes a little bit of dirt. You know, when you're a kid, you fall over, you get dirt on your hands, then you put your hands in your mouth. Uh, and that's, you know, we get bits of bacteria, bits of, you know, things in, in it. Uh, and that's how we get stronger. And of course, we're not doing that now. We're all indoors. We're all super worried about getting COVID, uh, super hygienic. And I think little colds are knocking us more. So not, the virus isn't as easy to get there. But if, if you pick a cold up, I think uh, it, it'll knock you more than it does usually. So that's probably what's happened with you. Ah, ah, coach, coach Mike to the rescue. Um, well, <laughs> I mean, it, like, like I was saying, it, it's just totally throwing my 5k training plan and like, you know, life, you always got to go with it. You know, speaking of 5k warm up complete. So yeah, so speaking of 5k, you are the 5k expert. You've posted a lot about it on your Instagram. Obviously your coach. I know that's kind of the race. It's the, I call it the, the entry the, the gateway drug, that's what I call it. The gateway drug of, of kind of getting into running. It's the 5K park run. And I've had people as they you know come to my account or they start getting running, they're like, Darren, how do I get faster at the 5K? And then I thought of you immediately. So do you have any tips or tricks for, for the listeners? Yeah, so the, the 5K, uh, I don't like it being thought of as a gateway uh, <laughs> event. I, I, lots of people come to me and they say, Mike, you know, you do the 5K, surely you could run a marathon. I said, yeah, sure, I could run a marathon. I could run a marathon now if I wanted to. But I, I, I like the, the 5K because it, it, the speed, the, the challenge, it's 75% aerobic, 25% anaerobic, which those who don't know, it means that you've got to do a little bit of speed work uh, and, and think a little bit intelligently, a bit outside the box to get a good time. If you just run it uh, and don't prepare for it, you'll not do as well as you, you think you can. Uh, and, it, and it hurts, you know, a, a marathon... It's sort of fatigue that wears you down over the course of the run. This sort of, you go out fast, uh, and you get that point of pain, uh, sort of, that the body's telling you to slow down and you just got to hold it and hold it. Let, let me, let me jump in. Let me jump in on that. Sorry. I want to just talk more about it hurting because I think that doesn't get enough shine. And I think a lot of people that get into running, they go, Oh, it's, oh, it's only a 5K. And I'm like, 
this shit's going to hurt though. Like this is going to be really painful. And you know, for me it's 16, 17 minutes. For some people it's 25, some people it's 30, 35. Uh, but it still does not feel good, especially if you're pushing yourself. And, and like you said, compared to the marathon, and I'd say even half marathon, um, which are for me, cruisy. Um, yeah, the last, the last 25% of those ends up feeling like you're in a pain cave. But uh, I think that doesn't get enough recognition is how much it hurts. And people, they just look at the ultras. They're like, oh, but 5K compared to a 100-mile run is nothing. And I'm like, yeah, you got to look at the intensity. You know, It's not just, just the time out there running. It's actually how, how hard you're going and you know how much lactate is building up your system. Yeah, so what's happening with the 5K is you're running at at a threshold, I'm, I'm trying to keep this simple uh, for you in there, that you can you know, use up, you can, your body can absorb so much oxygen and get it to the muscles to, to power you. Uh, and you're, to do a really good 5K, you've got to go beyond that, which means you've got to go into some oxygen debt. Uh, and this oxygen debt hurts. And the reason it hurts is because you're not getting enough oxygen into the muscles. So the whole body is crying, stop, stop. And the more you push, the more the body's saying, this isn't healthy. Uh, let's just up the pain threshold a little bit and uh, make those legs go a little bit more wobbly, make the brain go a little bit more lightheaded. Let's try and make him slow down. So you've got to push on to the point where you can get the finish line and push through that and you train to cope with that. Uh, and if you cope with it very well and train with it very well, you can cope with large amount of this lactate that we call it in the, the bloodstream and still keep moving. If you're really prepared for it, you can't cope with much. So I would argue that a, a poorly prepared runner will do a 5K and won't feel anything. They'll say, well, that was easy. I need to do a 10K because that wasn't hard enough. Uh, and that's because they're not prepared enough for a 5K and they misunderstand what the event is. It's not just about finishing 5K. A 5K race for me is about how fast I can do it. Uh, and that's a really challenging thing to do. Uh, and, and going back, actually, uh, I'm full of uh, interesting stories. Going back to... Uh, 5k hurting. Uh, when I was at university, uh, my friend and I, I was the, the treasurer of the uh, track and field team at, at Loughborough University. My friend was the captain. And he was lazy, but he was a good runner. Uh, and uh, I got the 1500, and luckily I won it. Uh, I, I won the you know, British University 1500 championships. Super happy. We needed him to get the top three, uh, and Loughborough was going to win uh, the university championships in the whole country. So, uh, being a lazy guy, he obviously didn't warm up, didn't do anything. He started on track, got in there, and we shouted him and doofed him, and, you know, quite times. He actually got the cross, uh, well, he got to the finish line in third place. But being a lazy guy, he decided he was only going to run 5,000 meters. So he got to the finish line, stopped, and walked off the track. The trouble was, he walked off the wrong side of the finishing pole, so got disqualified. Because officially he only ran 4,999 <laughs> meters. We lost the university championships, and uh, obviously he was in the shit house for the next few months. But <laughs> he ran all that way, suffered all that pain, and we all suffered, you know, all this race hard and, and work. Uh, and because of his, uh, yeah, laziness, should we call it, uh, inability to want to do anything more than the absolute minimum, uh, we all paid the price. So the warning there, don't do the absolute minimum. Do a little bit more just to make sure. <laughs> and that's been my motto all the way along the line now. Is that when I prepare for something, I work out what needs to be done and just add a little bit on for good measure. <laughs> just a quick story of mine. I was trying to run my, you know, I was trying to run a sub 40 minute 10K when I first got into proper endurance running. It was about going on about 
yeah, eight years, nine years ago. Um, and, you know, I have a, if you don't know, I have a 400, 800 background. So anything more than 800 15 years ago was way too long for me. Um, so 10K, running a 10K, you know, threshold, that was absolute torture. And I was like, you know, I sat there, was doing the math. I was like, I think I could do a 10, you know, not even training for it. I was like, I think I could just go out and do a 39.59 10K. It just sounded like a nice round number. Uh, the last 10 minutes of that were absolute death. I had, uh, I was just using my foot pod and not my GPS. This is 10 years ago, Strava and Garmin. You know, I had an older Garmin and... The GPS wasn't that great 10 years ago. And I was like, oh, got it. It was 359.59. I was like, yes, upload it to Strava. It's like 4010. And I was like, no, 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 no. I did three. And then, like, I went to Strava and I was trying to get that sidebar where it gives you um, all your accolades, your 5K, one mile, you know, best times. And it said 40. I was like, no, Strava. I emailed them. They're like, sorry. And then the one thing they said, which is exactly what you said, they go, next time you should just run a little bit more and make sure that you get it. And I was like, no, because it was saying I basically, you know, it was saying I ran 9.99, but I kept going and I was just like, no, no. like the, the whole thing. Now, every single time I hit the finish line, and I know I PR'd or PB'd, as some people say, I always run like 10 extra meters. I'm always like, oh, just to get the extra time in and make sure that when I upload it, it calculates I've got the full 10Ks in or whatever. I got the time in. So. Strong has changed that world. The amount of times I've gone to this segment, and uh, for some reason, the GPS hasn't quite picked it up. So uh, you better make sure you start your segment early and finish your segment. Like 5,000 <laughs> meters on a Strava needs to be a good 5,100 just to make sure. All right. So I know you got some tips um, on, on how to run a 5K. There's a million tips out there. But I, I'd say, if, if it, listener, you, if you are listening and you want to know, Mike Trees has the best six tips, okay, out of all the millions of tips out there. And Mike, what are they? One, two, three. I tried to condense it. You know, grab it. First one is strength and conditioning. So, as a runner, people don't think of the strength and conditioning side of it. They think, yeah, I've just got to run. And yes, to an extent, you do have to run, but you'll run a lot better if you can condition the muscles to cope with the work you're going to give them. So, uh, as a kid, I didn't really do much strength and conditioning, and it wasn't until actually I had a, a bad back that I had to do the, the strength and conditioning work to allow me to, to recover from the, the bad back that I had. Uh, and then I realized actually my, my weight was going up, which is one thing that runners don't like, but my strength was going up even higher. So that I was finding that my power to weight ratio was getting stronger. My form was getting better. Uh, and then I, I started to study it more seriously and take it more seriously. Uh, and now my form isn't the best in the gym, but I'm a big, big advocate of strength and conditioning work. Uh, and so that's my first tip that if you don't do anything, I recommend you get a coach or you get someone, you know, a good friend who knows what they're doing seriously in the gym because you can't hurt yourself. Uh, and you look at core work, you need to you know, strengthen the body, uh, the core. The upper body works against the, the lower legs, you know, and it pivots against the core. So if you have a, a weak core, it's like a like a seesaw, think of a seesaw, you know, if you have a hard plant there, that seesaw will rock backwards and forwards and pivot nicely. But if it's, you know, uh, we'll say, you know, Play-Doh or something soft in the middle, that seesaw is just going to bend and it, it's, really like a it's just not going to do much at all. So we need a strong core. Uh, we need, you know, a, a reasonably strong upper body because the arms are going to drive the legs. People get this wrong. 
it's not the legs driving the arm. You, you, you go for a run uh, and uh, swing your arm, your legs follow. You try, you know, swinging your arms quickly and using your legs slowly. You can't do it. Uh, so the, the arms drive the legs. So therefore, I would say you need to be doing some push-ups, some tricep dips. Uh, so, you know, you don't necessarily need to go to bench press, uh, shoulder press and things like that if you're just running, but you need to do some upper body work. I like doing a little bit of assisted pull-ups in the gym. So there's a hard program you can do, and we haven't got time to go into it, but it, it doesn't matter what you do in the gym, in a sense, so long as you do something and you work the core, you work the lower body, and you work the upper body. That's the key thing. So number one, strength and conditioning. I like that. I like that. And I would say, just to add to it, I know you're about to go on to number two, um, the, the strength and conditioning, you, there's a lot of leeway to getting it right. Meaning as long as you show up, I'd say minimum two days, if you could do three days, 20 minutes, I'd say, I would say 20 to 40 minutes. And like you said, you hit the three areas, total body workout and you're getting a, a decent burn. It doesn't have to be like, you know, oh my God, I'm on fire. It doesn't feel like you're, you're, you're killing it. Um, you also don't want to not be sweating at all and, and not be breathing at all. Um, that means you're, you, just a decent workout. I feel like that's getting it right. The, the range is very wide for getting strength and conditioning right. If you have good form and if you're consistent. Uh, that's, that's my biggest takeaway from it. I've tried all these different workouts, uh, you know, low reps, high weight, high reps, low weight um, from studies, Low, low reps, high weight is better. Or you could do a middle ground, you know, eight to 12 reps per set. There's a lot, won't go into nuance of it, but showing up, doing the workout and feeling like you did something is probably your best bet versus doing five air squats and, you know, being like, I did my strength and conditioning. It's like, that, that's not really going to get you anywhere. Um, and also, again, on the other side of that, coming out of there super sore where you can't walk is not the best because you, you're Strength, your strength training to run fast. Therefore, running is always going to be your main priority. Don't don't get that twisted because a lot of people, type A people, can get caught up in being the best at strength and conditioning. And it's like watch that because you're going to take away from actually running fast. That's that's my takeaway. Okay, so you've now opened up a bit more. Before we move on to number two, so first thing, if you're doing nothing, I would say anything's better than nothing. So those of you doing nothing at all, don't worry about all the intricacies of weight training, strength training. Just get to the gym and do something. It'll be a start. Uh, and little by little, you'll improve. So uh, that, that's the first one. And we're not bodybuilders. We're not entering competitions. We're doing, using it to help us run. So therefore, I would argue that if you do too much weight training and you think, yeah, that was an awesome set, but you're going to ache and have doms for the next three or four days and can't run, you've actually knocked yourself back a bit. Uh, because you've now just lost three days of running. So there's a balance. Get in the gym, you know, do some work, train. Uh, I feel that, yeah, I've done something, yeah, that's good. But don't the next day wake up and think, oh, my God, I've been hit by a 20-ton truck. Uh, I can't move. So uh, those are the two things. Do something, but don't do too much. It's all in balance. So uh, before I get into another uh, off-the-track, diet. Add break. Right now is the part where I go, hey, if you're feeling this, make sure you like, subscribe, rate this, share it out with your friends about how amazing this is, right? All right, while you should go out and do that anyway, how about I actually give you something that will help you? Is the running, health, fitness, and endurance sport internet too much sometimes? Too much conflicting content on how to train right? 
or you just don't have the time to read and watch the latest trends on how to, I don't know, carb cycle for your next marathon. Don't worry, I'll take care of all that for you by showing you how to train, race, and live 1% better consistently. To do this, just sign up for my free D-Lake Runs newsletter. I figure out this whole 1% better thing so you don't have to by scouring the endurance sports internet's deepest and darkest corners. Go to D-Lake Creates forward slash news, spell the normal way, N-E-W-S, to be inspired and motivated on the regular. And back to the show. Uh, when I talk about diet, people immediately think, ah, lose weight. Uh, that's not what I mean. So diet in terms of running is having the, getting rid of ex- excess weight only that you can afford to lose. It doesn't mean being super skinny. It means getting your power to weight ratio right. So when, when I say diet, I mean, get your food right, your nutrition right, eat correctly uh, and train correctly. So uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, I like little examples. So I, I got down to, I did the Gold Coast uh, Marathon a few years ago and got down to 57 kilos uh, weight for that. Uh, and I just had no strength. I was really struggling, going nowhere. I, I looked like a real runner, though. I mean, you could see me coming in. You know, walking down the street, I looked ill, and everyone was saying, oh, you look ill. Uh, and you'd be, yeah, I must be lightweight. Um, uh, and I felt light, and it was okay doing a few intervals, but actually, towards the end of the marathon, the last, I was on for, you know, I was literally on world record pace, uh, and I just ran out of steam the last 5K. I had no reserves at all. Uh, the wind hit me, it blew me backwards. And it was really after that time that I, I changed my strategy. I'm now 60, well, the heat's taking that, yeah, let's not get too detailed. I'm about 63 kilos at the moment. Uh, six kgs up. Uh, but I go up for an aerobic run now, and my heart rate, believe it or not, today was 115 at 425 pace per K. Uh, when I was training uh, for the half marathon, my heart rate at the same pace was over 125. So I've actually put on more weight, but I'm more efficient. So people get it wrong thinking they've got to be super light. And the Norwegians are showing us that, you know, you look at uh, Christian Blumenfeld, who's just won the Olympics in triathlon. He's like 80 odd kilos. This man is a powerhouse. He's got more muscles, but he's got better oxygen carrying capacity and more power to stay the course. Uh, and so it's not just an, about losing weight and getting the weight right. I know the top Kenyans are super light, but most of us don't need to be that light. So I would say combine the strength and conditioning, get your weight right, uh, and you'll be more powerful. So that's not an excuse for someone who is carrying, you know, too much, you know, beer around, you know, they've got a big beer belly, they've got kind of too much weight. You've got to be realistic and say, yeah, actually, I'm overweight. My BMI is out, you know, my body fat's high. Uh, I need to lose weight. What is that, you know, correct weight? And as long as it's muscle, I would argue it's useful weight. If it's fat, I would go and say, well, yeah, you, you don't need so much fat. But there is a healthy limit to the amount of fat that we should all have. Uh, I would say that for men, uh, amateur men, 12% uh, is, a, is a good healthy limit. Elites might go a little bit lower. And for women, it's probably around about 20%, even up to 24%, uh, that they're, they're healthy range for body fat. And I know that a lot of elite women get super lean, like down to 12% body fat. 
but they're not menstruating. They're probably having problems later or, or setting themselves up for problems later in life. You know, weak bones, brittle bones, uh, lack of calcium. There's all sorts of lack of iron. There's all sorts of things that can happen. So I would say to summarize it, get in the gym, get stronger. Don't worry about the weight. Uh, if you look in the mirror and you look okay, you look sporty, that's fine. Don't try and do any more than that. Uh, and don't worry about a few extra pounds. That can, that can help you. So that's number two, diet and weight. Yeah, I've heard of, uh, a lot about that. And I, I can, from experience, actually concur with, with that. I am training my best. And, you know, I, I like you, I slipped down to, was it 69 kilos, which is uh, for you Americans, 155. 50 pounds, 155 pounds. Um, right now I sit healthy between 72, 74 kilos. So, um, that's, you know, similar to you, it's another four or five kilos, um, which is yeah, 160, 165 pounds. And I am the fastest, you know, healthiest I've been. I am the strongest. I have the most, you know, muscle, my bone density. I get that scanned every few months. My bone density is the, the best it's ever been. Um, so I'm, you know, hopefully setting myself up for a healthy future when I reach your beautiful age of 59, 60 years old, Mike. Um, but yeah, you know, like I'm not pro, I'm not making a million dollars and, it would be cool to, to sit at 67 kilos and, and crush it. But I don't want that risk. That risk reward doesn't make sense for me. I don't make any money by going, you know, to one minute faster. I can actually hurt myself by going one minute faster. Um, but it's ironically, I'm going faster by being slightly heavier and not, you know, having the super chiseled six pack. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point you raised because I think people get into running because they want to get healthier. And then they get this OCD personality taking over uh, and they've got to go quicker, one second quicker, one minute quicker, 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 quicker. Uh, got to lose a bit more weight, got to skip that meal, got to put an extra session in. And they actually do everything wrong uh, and actually dig a hole and make themselves less fit because they're just pushing too hard. So often, if we just fall back a little bit and don't stress quite so much about the numbers, about the weight, uh, about the training, you know, and just go through the routine, uh, and they're chilled and relaxed, you'll probably end up actually doing better, better time, have a lower stress level and live a longer, healthier life, which really is what it's all about. I think. <laughs> three. Three. All right. Number three. What is the, the number three? So this is more nitty gritty. what you need to do. Uh, I would say, uh, I, I don't run every day. I, I train every day and I, I love training every day. Uh, and I suggest that runners, uh, yeah, I, I, if you're happy training every day, that's fine. But I just think running every day stresses the body. One, one research I, I read years ago that it's quite interesting that they, they reckon that a, a run, like a 10K run, takes about 36 hours to recover from. So if you run each day, bit by bit, you're not quite recovering. And bit by bit, you're stressing the body. But that means that if I would then got a bit more technical with all 36 hours, well, I could run a Monday morning, a Tuesday evening, miss a Wednesday, a Thursday morning, a Friday evening, and then maybe, you know, okay, once in a while, put one back to back, run a Saturday. You get up to five runs uh, a weekend. Uh, that's still quite a lot of running uh, and not break down and conform the theory of recovering between the runs. So uh, I, I suggest that for a 5K, we need three aerobic runs. I've made it very simple. Uh, people understand a longer run to develop the aerobic system to capacity 60 to 90 minutes. You've got to get over 60 minutes, but if you're getting over 90, that's more sort of half marathon, marathon training area. 
And I think you'll knock the speed away. So somewhere sitting between 60 to 90 minutes is a nice, uh, pace, a uh, nice time to, to run for. Then you need a short recovery run, uh, 30 minutes, I, I reckon. Uh, and I've, over the years, I've found that most people can do a nice 30 minutes recovery run. Over that, you're not really recovering. Uh, and you got to remember what you're going out for. People get carried away and they, oh, I've done 30. That feels good. I can do 45. I can do 60. I can do 65. Uh, and they, they get carried away. Just think what the purpose is. It's a recovery run to go out and just enjoy your 30 minutes easy running. Uh, and then one more run is a, it's what I call an easy run, an aerobic run, uh, an aerobic pace of about 45 minutes. Uh, and on that run, I might even include a few strides just to get the legs to, to move a bit quicker. Uh, and then that, that's really it. All you need for your aerobic development. Uh, and then what you do need, though, is you could either do intervals. You could break this up and do, you know, five by one kilometer intervals. Or just go out and, and every Saturday, if, if there's no COVID around and the park run starts, get out and do a park run. It's 5K, you know, specificity. It's one of those words you, sounds easy, but I can never say. The laws of specificity, you've got to actually do what you do. So if you go out once a week and run a, a, a solid 5K, you'll get used to the pain of a 5K and how to run a 5K. So uh, and it, it's a great distance to develop your VO2 max, your aerobic capacity. So uh, one, you know, 5K once a week. Four run. That's it. Uh, anything else, if you want to do more exercise, you know, it, it leads me into actually point five quite nicely. Anything else that get on the bike and cycle, go swimming, uh, do some yoga. They're not, that's not so much aerobic, but it, it, it's good for you. Uh, the, the, the stationary bike, uh, in the gym, you've got the cross trainer. These days you've got the ro rowing machine. You, you don't just have to swim. Uh, and cycle for other aerobic exercise, but you can do more aerobic exercise uh, uh, that will help the running. So the only way to run quicker, if we summarize it, is to run fast. But you can actually get the benefits of what we call cross-training by making yourself stronger, developing the aerobic system, doing other sports. So I'm, I'm all for doing other sports that are less stressful on the body, such as swimming and cycling. Uh, to supplement the running and develop the aerobic system. But in order to run fast, you've got to do one run a week that's fast. And it sounds simple, but a lot of people avoid it. They, they think, ah, Mike says do easy training. So they'll, they'll run for all week or, or maybe six weeks of easy running and then miraculously think, oh, I'm going to go twice as quickly as on race day. It doesn't happen. Uh, so I'll, I'll get quickly the last one and then we can have a little catch up on it. Sleep. Four. Sleep's always looked at as a negative. Uh, it, it makes me laugh, really. Oh, if you don't get enough sleep, you'll not do this. Oh, if you don't get enough sleep, you'll not do that. Well, it's not. You should be looking at positive. It should be part of the training. You know, when I get my eight hours sleep a night, I'm going to go really well. I'm going to do awesome. Uh, and uh, look as a, as a positive. Look forward to getting more sleep. Uh, I say eight hours. Most people don't. Uh, I should rephrase it. What I do is I, I recommend the athlete that I coach that they get seven hours sleep a night and one hour extra for every hour of training. So if you do two hours training a day, you need nine hours sleep. And people might say, oh, geez, I haven't got the time to do nine hours sleep. 
don't do the training. If you can't do the, the sleep and the recovery, you can't do the training. Uh, and and I, I often get this and think, oh, it's okay for you, blah, blah, you're a professional athlete. Well, I'm not a professional athlete. I actually coach a lot of people. I actually do quite a lot of the work and I fit the training in like everyone else. But I make a conscious decision that is, I'm not going to go out with my mates tonight. I'm not going to go out and have 10 pipes of beer tonight. I'm going to go to bed early because I can then do the training in the morning. So if you make the closer decision, you want to go out with your mates and have a night out, that's fine. Enjoy it. I've done that in the past. I've really enjoyed my nights out, but my training suffered. Uh, and the reason I didn't get to be world champion or go to the Olympics or do anything serious is because I was enjoying those nights out. I was doing the hard training, but I wasn't sleeping. Uh, I, I can give a, a million one examples where I was out actually, I was 18, uh, and just discovered nightclubs and being out the nightclub with my mate all night. You know, I was all at the nightclub. Anyway, I had a few beers uh, and I came home about four or five in the morning. Uh, and you know, old folks, uh, they get a burn So I'm getting in at five in the morning. My mother's just getting up and I'm thinking, oh no, I'm going to be rumbled here. So quickly in the guy, I put the training shoes on. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just going for morning run, mum. <laughs> so, <laughs> trot off out the house, go around the block, sort of sit down and wait half an hour, come back in, go to bed. Uh, you get away with it, basically, you know, wasn't quite rumble, but, uh, you know, it, I actually suffered badly, you know, that I, I went out all night, uh, and partied. I trained hard and didn't sleep. And wondered why I never got to where I wanted to be. It, it took me quite a while to sort of mature uh, and, and realize that's the problem. So just think about it when you're training, what your purpose is. If you really are keen and want to run well, it's seven hours sleep a night and one hour extra uh, for every hour of training. And if you haven't got the time to get more sleep, please don't do the training because you're setting yourself up for long-term problems. In my view, you might disagree, but that I found through the athletes I've coached and through my own personal experiences that it does get you after a while. Great story. I, I think that your, what you said about if you, you know, looking at sleep as part of the training, that's something I've probably done the last two or three years as I've got deeper into sleep and recovery. As I've gotten older, just realized I can't get away with less than, you know, seven. Um, and, the, the interesting thing is it, it, it's almost like it's like it's like debt, you know, it's like if you don't have the yeah. cash, what do you do? You go and get a loan, you go on a credit card, you go in the debt and then you have to pay that debt at some point. So I look at, you know, I always there's, I have a whole lot of analogies and metaphors. There's the, uh, you know, the landlord's coming and I have a bit more, you know, uh, sorry, sorry, it's um fitness is rented. That's what it is. And how you have to, it's an ebb and flow up and down and you have to give the fitness up and then you have to build it up again. And a lot of people, especially newbies, they think, oh, I'm fit. I'm going to hold this for, you know, the next three years. And it's like, no, 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 your race fitness goes away and you'll come back slightly better than you were the last time at that stage, but it's rented and you, you have to give it up. And it's very hard for me to, it was, I now understand the cycles and the periodization and the block training, but, um, I, you know, it's rented fitness is rented is one way of looking at it. Again, the credit card debt, um, the, the, you gotta, gotta pay that 
that loan back um, at some point and it will get you. And when you're not ready, it will, like you said, setting you up for long-term disaster. Uh, you, you might do well for a few months, maybe a few years, but it comes and gets you and, and you're like, why is this hurting? Why did I, you know, why did I tear this? And why am I sick for three months straight? And why do I have this random illness that no one else has, uh, you know, in this part of the world? And it's like, well, your body's just burned down. So that's, uh, that's me preaching, yeah. preaching, preaching the gospel that, uh, that <laughs> I need to hear. So I'm always, every time I preach, it's always to myself. Uh, so don't think I'm preaching to anyone else. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing is, I've been going along, I've been training, running now 50 years. So I've made all the mistakes. And, and I didn't have coaches. I, I came from a, a working class background in the northeast of England. And so none of us really knew. Our coaches were trying to help us and do things, but we didn't have all the information that is around now. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm offering all this to shortcut it for people to help them not make the same mistakes. We all have to make a few mistakes along the way, but if you have the information and I can help you cut out you know, half of those, you're going to get there a, bit, a little bit quicker than I got there. Uh, but, but luckily, I think like you and me, we've made the mistakes and we've learned. Uh, and that's the key thing is you can learn from them. And one last thing I'd like to say on this subject about the payback that you said quite interesting. Yeah, remember on loan, you pay back with interest. <laughs> so that it's not just the payback. There's, so you don't just go, okay, I'm uh, injured myself, two weeks off, I'll be back fit in two weeks. It, it doesn't quite work like that. You know, it gets you, you know, three, four, five, six weeks to get back. So there's the interest you've got to add on to it. So try not to make the mistake in the first place. Uh, because there's a lot of interest, uh, it compounded. <laughs> yeah, and the 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 problem also that I found out from a, a physical therapist, phys- physio of mine, is he says that um, you know I won't go. We're going to go into weeds of this, and I won't let us. Uh, we're going to keep it tight. But um, acute versus chronic training load, and he, mm-hmm. he explained that to me, and it's basically what you've done over the last week versus what you've done over the last four weeks, and it's really simple. You could just you divide what you did over the last four weeks, and I'm sure there's a million ways to do this, like everything, but uh, his, his method was you divide uh, your training over the last four weeks by four, and that gives you your weekly, and you don't want to go up or down 20% or more. Um, you obviously want to stay in that 10% mark, which is a bit more safe, but 20% if you're experienced, um, and he says the longer you take off from an injury or just deciding not to train, your chronic load, that four-week load goes down and then because you're in your head, you think you're fit or you want to come back and just run normal again, which was normal two months ago, which was whatever it is, 60 Ks a week, 100 Ks a week, you know, 60 miles, whatever. You were at zero or 20 and you're trying to jump up to 60, you're going to injure yourself. So you lose the fitness and you have to then come back slowly. Whereas if you, you know, if you don't burn out and you don't get injured, you, you then can just take a week off and then you're fully recovered and then keep training and training and training. Whereas if you take that week off, but it turns into two or three weeks, which turns into four or five weeks, then you're just losing that chronic training load, that big base, and you're setting yourself up for injury because a lot of people don't come back in slow. Well, I I learned to do it, um, to slowly come back, you know, okay, I'm doing 30 Ks this week because I did zero the last two weeks. Okay. Now I'm doing 30, you know, what is it? Uh, 20% of that 36 Ks, you know, now I'm doing, so you just, the 20%, it's slow and it's, it's, it's brutal. So that's, that's another thing. It's a psycho- psychological kind of a game that you have to play. And not a lot of people set up for that. And then guess what? You injure yourself, you burn out again. And now you're in this cycle of just injury, come back, injury, come back. But I digress. I won't, I'll end this here. This is all about the six tips that you have on 5k. Um, do you have anything that you want to say for the listeners? Yeah, just one, one more point on to your 
about overtraining and coming back. So I uh, turned pro at 30, which is the year, the age that most people retire. Because I'd made so many, so many mistakes along the way. It took me a long time to get my, uh, without swearing, I needed to get my shit together, basically. So I made to turn pro. And it was, it was perhaps when I made that, not running. Uh, I'd always wanted to be a, uh, a full-time runner, but I made it as a professional triathlete at 30. But so I read all the, the books and, and looked at what people were doing, and it seemed that everyone was doing 25 to 30 hours training a week. So that was what I was going to do. Uh, and uh, I would do 30 hours a week, you know, for a couple of weeks, then get tired, then, you know, miss a week, uh, and then do easy weeks, then get injured. So I kept a record of everything. It was all on paper back then, you know. And uh, at the end of the year, I logged down how many hours training I'd done, bearing in mind that the aim of a big block was 30 hours a week. And it was actually 11 hours training. <laughs> I remember the number. It's like, wow, I've averaged 11 hours training a week. This is a pro. I mean, it's more than, I know it's more than most people do. Uh, but, you know, as a pro, I was aiming for 30. So I thought, let's look at the 10% rule uh, back then. It's like, let's. I've done 11, so if I can actually up it next year uh, an hour to 12 uh, or 13, we haven't gone up too much. And instead of aiming for 30, I aim for something that's tangible, we, we might do a little bit better. So uh, I, I aimed it at a little bit higher, actually, I aimed for 14. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't quite <laughs> stick to my overalls as you do. So anyway, I aimed for 14, hours, which is two hours a day. Uh, and at the end of the year, I achieved that. Uh, I also, as the first year as a pro, we had six target races with a bonus that my main sponsors had set up for me. I won them. I won the Japanese national championships in triathlon that year as well. Uh, and then got another contract for the following year. I then, at that point, just had my first child. So everything was looking good. And I thought, ah, yes, it's paying dividends now. And I realized then, that I was on the right track. So the following year, I actually didn't get greedy. And I said, okay, this year I'm going to aim for 15 hours a week. Uh, and now, believe it or not, at the age of <laughs> turning 60 next year, the right middle age of almost 60, I'm averaging 20 hours a week training now. So I've got the body to the point where it can absorb that, that workload uh, and I can go to bed, not overtired, get up, and I, I wake up, you know, four or five o'clock every morning and want to get out of bed and want to get going. Uh, and uh, I've decided I, I don't push it beyond 20. The 20 is as far as I want to go. I'm happy with that number. And I know it's a lot more than most people can do. Uh, but it's a lot less than the 30 hours that I was initially trying to do as a, as a young team pro. But it's even a lot more than I was doing as a pro when I was successful at 14, 15. So I'm thinking to myself... If I'd got it right back then at 30, my peak of life, uh, and got the balance between that, the work and the rest, uh, and not got too greedy and not tried to jump things up too much, what, what, what would have been? But, uh, probably wouldn't still be here now. If, if I had set some world record and I'd probably retired and, uh, have moved on. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, just an interesting story, uh, that I, I, I get, get sidetracked into. Yeah. So don't, don't jump things up too much. Uh, that's the key thing. Just step it up nicely. The 10% rule, it, it's a nice little rule, but it's just a nice little guideline to get you started. Sometimes you can jump it up a little bit more for your experience, and other times you might not even be able to go up that much. So there's my six tips. So in summary, 
strength and conditioning. Look at your diet and your weight. Uh, three aerobic runs a week and one sort of uh, VO2 max run hard run a week. Anything else that you want to do training-wise, I would do on the bike or the swim. And finally, make sure you get enough sleep. And that's all there is to it. And finally, finally, good luck. Main set finished. Let's move into the cool down. All right, so we're going to end this off with our question to the listeners because we want to make this two ways. And I think, you know, two ways is fun because you could hit us up via email. Uh, Instagram's probably best, run.energy for Mike. That's the letters NRG. And or just type in Mike Trees and uh, hit me up, D Lake Creates. And I think Mike, you're gonna put this into your your Instagram posts and your your stories and all that. So so yeah, hopefully make this a cool two-way conversation because that's how things should be. We want to hear from you. The question is, you ready? You ready? Yep. I'm always ready. What would you rather do? There's no right or wrong answer, everyone, by the way. I just want to know your why on this. So what would you rather do? Run faster or run further? So that's run for speed and faster times or run for distance. And I personally am in the camp of the unpopular opinion because I've kind of done this in my small little circle. And uh, I'd say faster and always faster. And the reason is I'm biased. I have fast twitch muscles. I was born with that DNA. I can run a decently fast 200, 400, 800 meter. I still still have a decent amount of power. I, I, I wonder what I could run if I actually focus on the 800, which I might do next year. Um, so faster always, I just love running fast. Uh, faster is manageable in my life, and I'm sure in most people's lives. You, I, I can't make more time, but I, if I can run faster, then I can actually you know, get the workout done quicker in a way. Uh, the races are more manageable. There's a, there was a 5K park run everywhere in my neighborhood every single Saturday for free at free races. I can do DIY virtual races much easier, um, you know, on a, either on a track or, you know, you, if you know a 5k course, uh, I feel like you can focus on faster better. Uh, personally, you also have control over faster, uh, further means more hours of training, more hours of training. Like I, I hear a hundred mile race I don't think I'll ever do one. I think the furthest I'll do is a 50K ultra. And when I turn 50, that's my goal. So I've got 10 years to prepare for that. I, I just like running off road, but people that do 100 mile runs, I, God bless them, respect to them. I just can't do that. Like I personally am like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Here's a quick story. So a guy here in Sydney, Australia, he wanted to do 100 Ironmans in 100 days, 100 Ironman distances in 100 days. And he got on the news and everything for it. And my friend who was a Olympic caliber rower, he almost qualified for, the, he was one seat away from qualifying for the Olympic Australian team. Um, I, I ride with him and I would run with him. And he heard about it and he said, you know, this is like an Olympian. He goes, why don't you just do one race really fast? Why are you doing 100 f***ing slow? Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, why are you doing 100 at whatever pace you want? Like, and I, I just, I'll never forget that, you know, a pro saying that. And I'm like, that is such a good way of looking at it. Like, that's, that's the thing I've been trying to say. Um, so yeah, again, it's a time thing. And, you know, literally and figuratively and metaphorically, um, just doesn't make sense. And I, I personally, you know, I'll wrap this up with my 
my my theories and opinions. I think more people will be better served getting their 5K, 10K, and half marathon times faster um, than they would trying to run the marathon because the marathon is no joke. And you know, a lot of people go, I did a half marathon, I'm gonna do a marathon. I'm like, the marathon is probably four times harder than the half marathon. Like it's not two times harder. It's probably, you know, it's exponential. It's two to the, the second power. Um, and I, I've gotten that from my personal experience. And I've also just seen, you know, uh, the, the human body trying to run a marathon at that proper pace, not just walking it, not just slogging it. I'm talking about, you know, trying to run a fast pace, um, the training for it, trying to get it all right, the racing, the nutrition, it is a, the recovery. It's a fucking mess. So um, that's my, you know, I'm on my soapbox. I'm, I'm slowly getting off it. Uh, I, and, and, you know, I think it's a better training and racing experience when you can do a distance that's manageable faster. It just makes the process more fun. And that's like a virtuous cycle. So if you're having fun training, if you're kind of hitting your goals, you know, 50% of the time, then you're, you're running faster and then you feel good. It just like, it kind of serves itself, the virtuous cycle. What do you think, Mike? So what I do is that I have a little section on my stories that I call Just for Fun, uh, and I pose the question. I haven't put this one on, perhaps to verse it further, but uh, I get phenomenal response. I mean, you know, I'm getting like 20,000, 30,000 people, you know, looking at these, and you know, thousands of people uh, taking the questions, you know, taking the poll. So we can get a pretty good cross-section of around the world of what people like faster versus further. And unfortunately, to be rather boring, I have to agree with you because I'll give you a, a little story. I went to Indonesia. I started coaching uh, in Indonesia a few years ago uh, and I got there and I was doing the seminars and I said, oh, what distance do you like to run? Oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I can only run five kilometers. I'm not a very good runner. Oh, I'm quite a good runner. I can do 10 kilometers. I like to do 10 kilometer races. And then they would say, oh, and if you look at the, you know, little Johnny over there, and Western names, unfortunately, well, you know, Hamid, or, well, well, because then, you know, you look at uh, Joanna over there, well, she's very good. She can run marathon. Uh, and then what do you like to do? And I said, oh, I do five kilometers. Said, but surely, Michael, you could run much further than five kilometers. And it's like, yeah, but i like to see how well I can run five kilometers. I enjoy running five kilometers. Don't be embarrassed about the distance you run. So if you want to run marathons, that's fine. Uh, if you want to run five kilometers, don't be embarrassed and think, oh, I'm only running five kilometers, but really I want to run marathons. Uh, I, I always say that people should focus on speed first, whether you're going to do a marathon or not, because if you can get the speed right at 5K, uh, we'll take it back one level. If you can do a, a quicker 3K, your 5K is going to be a little bit easier. If you can go a faster 1500, your 3K is going to be a bit quicker, which will make the 5K a little bit easier. So if your 800 is quite good, your 1500 will be quite good, your 3K will be quite good, and your 5K certainly feels slower. So if the 5K then feels slower and you develop to 10K running, the initial pace will feel slow. Uh, the half marathon will be even slower. So you get where I'm coming at. The, the pace in the marathon will feel even slower. So people try and do a fast marathon, but they haven't got the leg speed. They haven't got the cadence. They're not landing correctly. Their form isn't correct. Uh, and so I'm much, much, much in the camp of training correctly, developing the speed and the form that goes with that speed and the efficiency that goes with it. Then once you've got that leg speed, efficiency, the cadence and the, the pitch, everything correct, then you add the stamina on. So then you can do a marathon. So only now, at the ripe of age 60, I've decided it's right for me to do an Ironman. 
Uh, and the reason I'm doing that is not to complete the Ironman, but I think my swimming is at a good enough level that I can rate the 3.8 swim. My biking now, due to the, the strength and conditioning work I've done, I can actually race the, the bike, not just complete it. I don't want to just cycle 180 kilometers and say, yes, I completed the distance. I want to see how fast I can do that distance. And then again at the marathon at the end, I want to run under three hours 20. So I'm going to swim 3.8k quickly, ride a fast 180k, and then try and run the marathon under three hours 20. I need to get the nutrition right. There's lots of other things you need to do and the fluids right along the way. But I'm doing that as a race to see how quickly I can go. So even though I'm going distance, for me, it's still a race to see how quickly I can go, not just to do the distance. So I've got to agree with you 100%. It's all about speed. Uh, but that, that's me. I, I, I grew up running, racing. I wanted to just see how quick I could run. I didn't get into sport for the health reasons or anything else. It was a long time ago when you either ran to race or you didn't. There was no fun running. I mean, this, we're talking 1970. There was no such thing as a fun runner. It didn't exist. If you couldn't run, you got injured, you just didn't run. The fastest kids got picked for the school team. They were the runners. End of story. No one else ran. So uh, the, the new fun runner, running for fitness, the whole new hobby, I think it's fantastic. Don't get me wrong, I love it. But I've come from an old school way of thinking. It's always speed, 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 speed. Uh, and I remember... Uh, Sebastian Coe, obviously, now Lord Coe, head of the IOC, and he said, yes, speed kills. It kills those that don't have it. And <laughs> basically meaning, if you don't have speed, you're not going to win anything in running. <laughs> Let's go. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Aaron So, a.k.a. D-Lake. Tips and tactics, you could train like a pro. This cast to help you run faster than you could go. All the PRs you could beat, your course records that comes in your upcoming season. Right? Don't you agree? Endurance sports, a metaphor for life. That's that metaphor, baby. Eating clean so you can rest and sleep all night. Don't master a lot, don't master a little, just stay in the middle. Don't master all, don't master none. Just be, just be a master of some. This episode is brought to you by Energy Coaching, which is Mike Tree's coaching service. Mike coaches beginners to pros and all levels in between. No one is too fast and no one is too slow. All the coaches have a desire to learn and improve with their athletes. Energy Coaching focuses on the 1500 meters to marathon running and triathlon training. Energy Coaching is usually overbooked, so Instagram and this podcast venture, Trees and D Lake, gives Mike and the rest of his Energy Coaching team a way to reach out to more people and help them. Contact Mike and his team at nrg-coaching.com for more info. That's the letters nrg-coaching.com, no spaces, for more information. Time. Time is a resource that no one can make more of, not yet at least. So we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen, watch, and generally consume all of this stuff. Accessibility is pretty cool nowadays, so we have a transcript for all of the episodes. Make sure to go to the show notes section on this episode on whatever podcast player you're listening to, or you can go to the description of this video on YouTube, or just go to dlakecreates.com forward slash transcripts. 
All of this was produced in Sydney, Australia, so I acknowledge the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land. I pay my respects to the elders, past, present, and emerging. A lot of people ask how they can support us, and I think the easiest way is to just share this out to people you know that would like this. So whether it's a podcast link from Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts, whatever you're listening on, or you're watching on YouTube, send them the link, or even you know the Instagram post, my newsletter, blog post, etc. We try to make it super accessible. The second easiest way is to rate, like, or subscribe to this podcast and or video on YouTube, or even subscribe to my newsletter. If you have any feedback, feel free to hit me up, talk at dlakecreates.com. That's the letters T-A-L-K at dlakecreates.com, spelled all the normal way. Train smart, race, and live easy. Peace.